Ladies and gentlemen, Crystal Clear Industries, in association with Rhinestone Radio Podcasts, is proud to present Old Hollywood Realness. Brought to you in vibrant podcastoscope for your listening pleasure. Join your hosts Kathleen Null and Philip Estrada as they recap Hollywood's dazzling darlings one film at a time. And now, please sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Good morning, good morning to you. Good morning to you too, Kathleen. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording bright and early. (laughs) Yes, on a Saturday morning. (laughs) So don't hate us. Yes. (laughs) Because I know we all should be watching cartoons and eating cereal right now, but we're we're hard at work for y'all. So. (laughs) Yeah. And us. (laughs) Chug down a giant cup, a giant cup of cold brew. Oh, oh, yeah. It'll probably my, start my, kicking in pretty soon. <laughs> my, my hot cup of joe is keeping my mic company right now. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. So, um, how you doing, Kathleen? Pretty good. Null. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> and how are you, Mr. Estrada? <laughs> doing well. Um, getting prepped, going to, flying out to New York on Sunday night for work. Oh my gosh. Yeah. For, oh, okay. For work. Well, I mean, still well, New York. Go. Yeah. <laughs> gotta go shopping. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's nice to just get into the metropolitan scene oh, for a few days. It's going to be nice. It's going to <laughs> yeah. be nice. Trust me. Um, yeah. So that's what I'm doing. Not awesome. I'm working a whole bunch, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Gotta make them munties. <laughs> hey, that's what it's. That's kind of what it's all about right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Stockpile. Uh, I believe for... it's called a scratching and surviving. Yes, so. Right. <laughs> Stockpile that coin because shit's going to pot. <laughs> that's right. Doing the same thing here, my friends. <laughs> we'll survive. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, hey guys. Welcome to Old Hollywood Realness. That's right. Welcome back. Um, this is the podcast that celebrates all the glitz and the glamour of Tinseltown's golden era, one film at a time. Um, mm-hmm. As I mentioned before, I'm Philip Estrada. And I'm Kathleen Nall. Um, yeah, so like we said, it's bright and early, so we're not going to go for the morning zoo. or, or the, uh, <laughs> the, We're pretty zooey already. Yeah. Or the uh, Hoda and Kathy Lee, where it's like, oh my God, it's so exciting to be here. Ah, I'm drinking white wine. Think, shouldn't we have some like weird name where it's like one of us has an animal name and one of us has like a weird sexual name like Cooter and the Bear yeah. or <laughs> Weenie in the Butt? It's like, it's like Khaki and the Poof. <laughs> Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. Welcome to your morning drive time. (laughs) Ten minutes to stop the hour. I I do hope somebody does listen to us on a Monday morning sitting in their shitty ass commute. Because that's that's how I always felt like, like, who is our customer? You know, I think that's our customer. Because I know for me, podcasts saved my ass when I was... Sitting on the train or in the mm-hmm. bus or the ferry or walking around and in the car. It's yeah. good. It's good stuff. <laughs> um, so, well, 
Well, we hope your commute's going well. And um, we're going to be, we're going to jump right into it because we're talking about the film yes. Tonight or Never. That's right. <laughs> AKA the Ultimatum movie. <laughs> um, this is from 1931 from United Artists. Yeah. Um, this is a Gloria Swanson joint. Uh, she yes. plays the character Nella Vago. Uh, Merv Melvin Douglas plays Jim Fletcher. Allison Skipworth plays Marquesa Bianca San Giovanni. <laughs> I was going to go with that name, but I just decided to go with something normal like Philip Estrada. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, that's not your drag name? I yeah. thought that. I, okay. Marquesa <laughs> Bianca San Giovanni. <laughs> Dude, that's going to be on season 11, guaranteed. Uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um, <laughs> Ferdinand Gottschalk um, plays Ruddig, who is, um, and Robert Grieg plays Conrad. Um, uh, Warburton Gamble plays Count Albert von Gronach. Um, you know, my second option for a drag <laughs> um, Greta Wait a Ma- minute, that's my drag queen name. Yeah, so. There you go. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Marquesa Bianca San Giovanni and her co-host, Count Albert von Gronach. <laughs> Dude, if I get a sweet tux out of that deal, like Marlena Dietrich style, I am Ooh, okay with that. <laughs> that. Little, Hashtag yeah. life goals. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we also have... Uh, Greta Meyer plays Emma and Boris Karloff plays the waiter. So this has got a cool little cameo yeah. by Boris Karloff. So um, what is your, so Kathleen, you suggested this film. So yes. what is, so tell me about that. Well, Why, um, I, when, how, who, <laughs> where. <laughs> well, you know, we, um, it was in my searching for movies. We, you know, as, as we, we have Amazon prime, we have the Warner archives and we, um, often tried or, and Netflix. And we often try to, um, pick movies that we know are easily accessible to everybody. And, um, I happened to, in my search, I found that there was actually, originally there was a movie called, uh, indiscreet, which was the, um, uh, another movie that she made around this time and it's on Amazon Prime mm-hmm. and I looked into it and I was doing research and I started to watch it and I gotta tell you maybe it was just it was a late night or whatever and I'm, I'll probably try to watch it again but I just wasn't feeling it and then and it not only wasn't I feeling it but I was like ah, but I also don't feel like it's like it's a bad movie like it should be on the stinker series and then I started did a little bit more research and I found out that this was part of a uh, Indiscreet was part of a two-picture deal that she did with, I believe, Joseph uh, Sheck uh, with United Artists, and she did this movie and then Tonight or Never. And so did a little more research, and I started looking into Tonight or Never, and what just was the dead... I mean, I read uh, Costumes Designed by Coco Chanel, and there it started. And so uh-huh. that was where I decided... That's where this movie came from because That's it true. sort of sent me on a wonderful rabbit hole of research on uh, Coco Chanel's brief time in Hollywood as a costume designer. And that was interesting as fuck. <laughs> uh, yes, it's really So that's cool. how I know this movie. How about yeah. you? <laughs> um, actually, not familiar with this movie at all until you had suggested it. And then I was like, well, this is interesting. Let's check this out. And like you said, the costumes are by Coco Chanel, um, mm-hmm. which was, it was credited as Chanel of Paris. Um, <laughs> and oh, I forgot to mention that this film is directed by Mervyn Leroy. So, um, yes. and I'm not, wasn't familiar with it. I do, what I was familiar with Indiscreet because I think. I think I it's, it was on Amazon Prime, so I think I watched it on a plane, and it's that's it's an early talkie. This is yes. like one that was an early talkie, so it's it's kind of tough to follow because the audio isn't very good on the 
the version that's on Amazon Prime. And the video isn't 100% great either. Yes. So it's yeah. a bit of a like kind of like squinty kind of like really have to pay attention. Um, yeah. It's got a lot of like feed, not a feedback, but that like crackly noise in the background of the audio. So it's like it's definitely like a, um, you know, it needs to be it needs to be um, restored you know yes uh, agreed and so, um yeah because yeah we don't, it was only on youtube is what we found right that, like, the, I this one yes tonight or never was on yes. youtube but the industry which is the actually the yes. tonight or never is actually a pretty good version on um uh, on Impressive. youtube and it right. was um if you look at the title cards it was uh it was uh restored by the uh, film of ucla or something oh amazing yeah. so um they did really a cool. really good job of, yeah you know making... but yeah you're right like industry i think that's also what made it very hard to watch is that the quality was not very good and it definitely needs to go through a restoration prog- process and i yeah. think that if it had done ha- that had happened it would have been much better and yeah like you said tonight or never when i found that it wasn't available on amazon well there's like a 74 dollar dvd available on amazon yeah. <laughs> but it was available which i mean some... you do you <laughs> like... oh, right exactly but there's some wonderful gem put it all up on uh, youtube and it's it's very watchable it's clear it's much clearer than indiscreet was um mm. so and easy to uh see and understand but i gotta tell you what kept me going like especially when I was watching Tonight or Never, um, you can tell it's an early talkie because of especially with watching Gloria Swanson, but even the other actors, you can tell that they are people who just got out of the silent film era because they still like they use their eyes and their faces and their hands in ways that we just don't. There are there's subtleties that that are not there. They're very yeah. kind of obvious and theatrical. And I understand that Tonight or Never was based on a play as well, so it does have that play-like feel. But yeah, just even the way like Gloria Swanson uses her face and she opens her eyes whenever she says something, you know, it's it's very. Um, I couldn't help but think. I, I kept thinking of Singing in the Rain. <laughs> <laughs> and this welcome to Talking Pictures. Picture. This is the sound of my voice, you know, and like. <laughs> And it very much was like that, like, well, good night. (laughs) (laughs) And when I saw it through that lens, I really, I I got it. I was like, this is what they were even, this is what they were talking about in Singing in the Rain, like, almost 70 years ago. It's just so amazing. Like, this is a perfect example of that era you know it's a wonderful little uh, time capsule too because there's a bunch of there's a lot of movies from this time period that do that where there's like they had they haven't figured out they didn't hadn't figured out um bedding music they hadn't yes. figured out um transitional musics or mm-hmm. um foley artists with like background noises or like just con like true to life like noise artists and stuff haven't yes. been developed yeah. yet so there's a lot of like really long like empty dead air like scene yeah. they'll be like yes. you know they'll be like they'll walk off screen but there's no like footstep sounds or like yeah. you know yeah. the, or they'll like deliver a line and then they'll just sort of stand there and then they'll just like kind of like it's just very weird strange the editing hasn't been like really refined yet it's really wonderful to see these movies it that is. are like kind of like almost what we would consider now like student films because there's just yes. not that you know um there's just not that finesse yet because just no. because they hadn't been making movies with sound that much yet. So it's like really yeah. kind of interesting to see people see 
film in its infancy in a way. That's yeah, like, exactly. Kinda, and it is more like even though they're speaking and you, they're speaking clearly, they're so pantomimed in how they're. Oh, yeah. It's almost like you could cut the sound and they would look like they're in a silent movie because they're so. Um, they're, they're they lack subtlety. They're very pantomimed in like mm-hmm. everything they do. It's just a little, which I'm sure, yeah, which just just comes off very exaggerated to as looking at films, even films from like five years later, you know, are way more subdued and they've got the yeah. carrying music and just, you know, you look at like what Warner Brothers was doing, like, gosh, on like maybe two years later and it's like completely different, you know? Yeah. But this should not be underestimated just as far as like the story around the movie and that time and uh, yeah, and the influence it had. I think it's really, it's really cool. And it, I mean, it's fun to dish to you about it too because it's kind of a ridiculous premise and story. Like, yeah. you know, like uh, if we were to sum it up really quickly, we're like, it's a diva. She sings really good, but not good enough. She gets fucked. She sings great. And it's so funny. And it's going to go to America. Everyone <laughs> around her is like, bitch, you need to get fucked. I like, know. you. Like, <laughs> Pretty much, they're like, you sing good, but you need to put some ass into it. What you need is to to get some ass. It's like, <laughs> she, what she's is like happening? so uptight. She's like a little baby. They're like, you know, if you just, it's like literally, if you just get laid, you'll be so much cooler. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, her weird, her weird um, music teacher or like vocal coach was just like, bitch, you need to get your box knocked out. Like, what is this? Like, it was just like, why? You need to get your box knocked out. <laughs> Pretty much. I was like, if if they did a modern day version of it, he would totally be some like sassy drag queen, like sassy gay friend from YouTube. And just be like, he's like throw this little tiny scarf over his shoulder and be like, girl, you need to get dicked. <laughs> yeah, you need to get dicked like J.D. Lidecker style. Okay. Yeah. All up in the glamour. <laughs> Pretty much. Preferably um, on a circular staircase. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, they're like well, I want you to do one of those Bollywood style movies where you'd be fucking for like 13 minutes on screen for like <laughs> but, but in a dance number but keep your clothes on for some reason because they have weird censorship over there but it's all good you know you do you <laughs> either way but come back when you got some of that that way you can really sing you know oh my god <laughs> Nicki Minaj it up for a weekend <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you know, God. strong woman, strong woman, <laughs> strong female lead. Um, but um, oh my God. one of the things that I actually just uh, wanted to talk about too is on this is that you, we were talking about how um, Gloria Swanson has that like acting style. Everyone in the movie has like that acting style of like you know very mugging on um, mugging on camera and that sort of thing. Yes, um, yeah. Because they all came from a silent film era. But yeah. one person to note is Melvin Douglas, who plays her love interest in the movie came from theater and yeah. he actually has more um, a f- because he didn't have that he didn't have the history in film to come to come from and he no, played he, this yeah. role in um the film the broadway version or the stage version so he brought that with him so he feels more natural he which does. is interesting because he's he playing so more natural against Gloria Swanson who's like you know eyes and you know facial expressions and, and like hands, and hands, hands, I know, hands. She's just... lots of like ooh 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 oh, yeah. and like you know but while he's 
delivering real lines. She's like doing this almost like they're in two different movies. It's they, so they really interesting are. to watch. It's really yeah. cool. Like just to to note that just be like, okay, he came from theater, not having any film training or like any film history, which call would color the way he acts. And she yeah. comes from silent film, and now all of a sudden she has to speak. It's like it's such a cool like it's an interesting thing to watch, especially with it that sure in, your, is. in your mind. Yeah. Um, Especially that whole like love scene they have together. It really is like like you're watching an acting class yes. with two different styles. Yeah. It's and like, they're they're like they're in an exercise. Yeah, you know? you're watching an acting class and he's clearly like a few levels ahead. Like yeah. and she's just like yeah. struggling to keep up. Like No, he is he you can tell he is he is a pre code hottie. Like he just he comes across mm-hmm. very sexaroo. Even in that whole scene with her, like He's he's pretty yeah he's pretty smooth and I mean, and he's he's a good looking man he's yeah. got that nineteenth like I said he looks like a J D Lidecker sketch he's just whew, mm, right isn't that yeah. his name the artist yeah like he just Wait, he has that like J C Lion J C Lide I'm sorry J C Lidecker yeah. yeah so I got the yeah but you Is know it? like Wait, just, am I I think I'm losing my mind. <laughs> Am I like because yes, I you JC, know JC JC Lydecker. yeah because yeah, he, like he looks Christ, just... <laughs> <laughs> Cause so well, <laughs> um, like Jesus Christ Lydecker because they're so well approves I mean yeah he just he's even got almost like the shaded lids you know uh-huh. eyelids he's just yeah. he's got that oh he looks so he's pretty he's, he's the only one pretty. I've seen that has looks with, with like a pencil thin mustache that can pull it out without, without looking like no. some sort of super villain you no know, he does he doesn't look like a super villain he doesn't look creepy he legit he looks handsome and like a yeah. lot of fun. Doesn't like, look you know like that John guy's a lot Waters. Of fun. He doesn't yeah. look like John Waters. He just looks. And the way he kind of grabs and kisses her, you're like, oh my goodness, oh my <laughs> goodness, how old is this movie? <laughs> what? You know? <laughs> you're like, she gonna get her box knocked out. <laughs> <I> don't... <laughs> oh. Well, she already had it knocked out. She was, I think, she was pretty much pregnant the entire time she yes, was filming that's this. That's so. true. Yeah. That was one Spoiler. Of the <laughs> Has nothing to do with the story. I know. <laughs> uh, like, Spoiler alert! It took three fil- three weeks to film. Like, <laughs> where is this a spoiler? I don't get it. Um, I don't think that people understand what spoilers are. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, show uh, uh, last week tonight with John Oliver. They do these oh, yeah. weird interstitials where they always they make fun of like local newscasters. Oh god! <laughs> and it was like um, they did like um, and it was like, I think it's like called and now and then they say and now newscasters um, misidentifying selfies. <laughs> <And> <laughs> And everyone's like, oh, that's a selfie. Look at that selfie. And it's like someone taking a picture of somebody else. And they're like, I don't think you understand the concept of a selfie. We don't understand a concept of a spoiler. Oh, my God. Dude, John Oliver's the best. I'm so, His his uh, episode on multi-level marketing is still, by, like, every, every human on this planet should watch that. It is uh, the funniest and truest thing yeah. about all that stuff, yeah. about scams. Ugh, anyway. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, yeah. um, I have a um, business opportunity for you. We can talk about that. After. Oh my god, PM yeah. me for details, huh? <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel about selling leggings? <laughs> I don't know. Are they made by Alulero? <laughs> no. no, no, no. <laughs> anyway, um, Cool. So, um, you I'm like ha- only if I can sell it with giant other shapeless objects <laughs> that don't fit. And okay, we can't go. Sink down all this into- oh, we can't go. Down all right, sorry. Um, <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> we could, but we won't. You can Google it on your own time, guys. Yes. <laughs> Okay, so did you have some information on this film about the costumes? Because I know you did some research. Right, well, I, I did. I found a wonderful article, actually, on um, it was on Vanity Fair about um, Coco Chanel and her, her time in Hollywood. And it's all about, um, yeah, she, so she actually was um, uh, under a contract, a million-dollar contract, which, I, I'm sorry, 19, at the height of the Depression where people are literally starving, I just can't imagine that like the movie studios had this much money to bring her in but like Samuel Goldwyn from United Artists um, he brought her in on this million dollar contract to uh, design costumes for movies and I think it was for like I think she was supposed to come like every six months design these dresses and then you know stars will wear them and they had this kind of like formula like in his mind it was like oh this is perfect Chanel is like at that point was just the height of fashion and you know and American women loved anything uh, like you know holly people were at this point officially now looking to hollywood for fashion but france was still like the height of high fashion so what a perfect combination of like bringing coco chanel to hollywood where she designs for these movie stars and you know in his mind was thinking oh and and it can even be like she can design these these things that are like six months ahead and we'll be ahead of fashion everything's gonna work like it's just a perfect plan program but she didn't really um, embrace Hollywood too well. And honestly, Hollywood didn't embrace her that well either. Um, it was, uh, she she kind of didn't, I don't know, I don't, I don't think that she did what people expected her to do. And uh, she also was not super dazzled. I think people expected her to be like, oh my God, Hollywood, I'm this now. And she was like, nah, that's fine. Also, mind you, she was also 47 years old when oh, she came wow. to do this. I didn't yeah, so that she was I that, know, right? That yeah, I didn't realize she was. Yes, and so <laughs> she was 47 years old in 1931. And even just to think about it from a design perspective, we often think of well, like people being designers being young or younger. And she was it. She was it at the time, and for, at 47 years old. So that's pretty amazing to be that age and even even at that time like hollywood was all about youth and the young and there's the 1920s but here she was like you know being like the this the trend maker at that yeah. age and um so she was highly respected and uh yeah and came out and they they gave her a beautiful um you know they really expected her to just like to like so, like, like so and like here they gave her a room with like sewing machines and dress forms she never touched them she didn't do any of that shit she was she was in charge and she directed other people uh and worked with other people one of them being a uh young um Ad uh, it's uh, Adian Sorry, Adrian Adolph Greenberg, also known as oh. Adrian. <laughs> Maybe you've heard of him. <laughs> Who, um, which I thought I read a little a bit about him in the story that like she met him, like he was sort of assigned to work with her on her pictures, and uh, she took to him right away. And what I think is really funny is that, uh, and again, you know, it's all about self invention. Like Adrian was not French. He's, I think, he's American. He's mm -hmm. obviously Jewish, probably. And he, at that point, was actually going around, even then, known as Adrian. He was put on this French accent and affectation which in Hollywood nobody knows other French people so they just took it seriously but then Chanel rolls in and she's like really queen she's like no that's okay I appreciate your hustle but I know you're faking yeah. you know like, so they like got together I just like, love the idea of her know. being like really queen no 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 not for you no she probably you just know. heard three words out of his mouth yeah. and we we're like yeah you're not French you but I respect yet. I respect your hustle so you know but she um, and he really actually did try to work with her because um, what what ended up sort of being the overall conflict and why she only did a few movies was that 
uh, haute couture and costume design are two different things. Mm-hmm. They really, really are. Like there are subtleties and nuances in, um, in haute couture that just don't do not, and especially at that time, would not have shown up on film. And um, that was just a completely her style. While it her stuff looks beautiful in person, and it, it really is amazing and very forward for the time. It did not really translate um, that as well as it could on film as well as like you know the bigger bolder more theatrical cost it's it's a theatrical costume design and her stuff was not theatrical enough it was very real and it's actually probably when i think about today would be perfect today with like high definition television and the way things have become so subtle and nuanced today but at that time like we talked about with the talkies like things were still bigger and bolder and more theatrical and obvious for different reasons for like the lighting and the camera work and just showing up and that was just what people were used to and um so uh, and then also too working with the different actresses like there was this assumption like oh I'll just I'll bring in this big designer and they'll work with this actress and it'll be great and that doesn't always happen um, you know uh, Gloria Swanson already had a relationship with another designer and would he would exclusively design for her and a lot of other movie stars were like that like I was reading a little blurb about how I think it was uh, oh it was Lillian Gish who rejected Erte they brought in Erte oh, to design yeah. stuff and she's like that's okay so it's like we that's hard for us to even fucking imagine but like like that happened you know so it it there were a lot of logistics involved in that that as to why things worked out or didn't work out but um yeah that's interesting too that's an interesting to think about because chanel wasn't she was a a couturier so like she was one of the first people to do like full collections and stuff she wasn't working with private clients i mean she probably did have private clients but she wasn't working like directly one-on-one with a with a personality that you would Mm -hmm. that a costume designer actually would have to and the person and the costume designer is so in like so you think of a fashion house Coco Chanel's in charge she's number one all decisions are made by her but then she gets onto a set and she's the costume designer and so she's like here's the here's the clothes that everyone's gonna wear and Gloria Swanson and Mervyn a girl well Gloria Swanson throws a fit it's like I'm not wearing that and then um, Mervyn Leroy has to like appease his 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 actress to make sure that she'll work on film yeah and so basically Coco's not in in the boss anymore so I could see that being like a huge push pull with that relationship and dynamic like that's oh absolutely be so weird to have yeah and I think that too like you know um I mean I, I okay like I think like like with couture it's like um the mannequins are meant to show off and enhance the fashion but like in costume design you know the the costume is supposed to enhance the actor mm-hmm. so it's like you're building with you're you're building things in a completely different way and um and and she just wasn't having it which i kind of love i mean there's things i like and don't like about coco chanel but i do like that she was just like she she, she was quoted as calling hollywood infantile and the capital of bad taste and love it. you know what <laughs> I mean, I can see it, but I can't, you know, I mean, at the same time, she also loved Adrian and took to him and he had just done, um, actually had just done work on uh, Matahari with Greta Garbo and she really liked his work and thought he really was, uh, and had sort of anticipated her looks and collections and, and let's face it, he was, he was very, very good at, at, at incorporating, um, silhouettes and like fashion looks into actual costume design like he really was able to blend the two um but i'm sure a lot of it uh, well that's why he's our favorite i mean that's why i just i loved like reading these little gems and bits about him and i just 
I mean, there should be a movie about like Coco Chanel going to Hollywood and just her forming a friendship or working with Adrian because he was so young and like had just started at the time. I mean, that must have been so formative for him and his experience. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I just think that um, but I I think the costumes are still really beautiful. We were able to find um, really great pictures of some of the existing. um, uh, There are some existing gowns even from Tonight or Never that are around that she designed and they're absolutely beautiful beautiful yeah. absolutely beautiful even, that look- even just the clothes that she was designing in that era too oh, 31 please. there's a lot of examples of what she was designing in that too yeah. and they're just stunning you like could wear any of that on the red carpet timeless. today or to the met gala and people would be like oh yeah is that is that from today no it's 80 years ago like she was just amazing amazing yeah. in her forward thinking and i remember one of the parts i loved about reading the vanity fair article was her whole like you know she had to come from paris to new york and then take this train all the way out to hollywood and then she left you know had to go back and then like stayed in new york for a bit and she um she actually ended up going to uh, like one of their di- like a discount store there where she saw like where they basically sold chanel knockoffs and oh, she God. loved it. She loved, she's like saw these women, these just regular working women who were just like in these open stalls, like trying on things that were so clearly based off of her silhouettes. And she just, she loved that, you know, she, that, that was happening. And oh, like, wow. instead of being offended, she, she delighted in that. And I, that's one of the things I love her for is that she, she, you know, was not, I guess you could say selfish in that way. Hmm. Like it, she really loved seeing her stuff on everybody, uh, regardless of, it sounds like even class. And I thought that was pretty cool um but you know i mean there's she's such an enigma she had such a full life and so many and i'm sure had to do so many things in order to survive and get by and be coco chanel and oh yeah well i know i was like do we go there but yeah yeah, so and that's why it's like i don't and i certainly won't be justifying any behavior but it's just it's interesting to see and read about these other you know, times in her life, which even just this brief time, it was about three or four years. It, it was so rich and full of like stories and things going on. Um, but yeah. And so she designed the, I think the movie, the costumes in this movie are gorgeous yeah. and what she does, especially for Gloria Swanson is very appropriate for her character. Um, and, uh, and, and maybe cause of the film restoration, but I think that her stuff shows up beautifully on film oh, at yeah. least for this. So, um, and it does look, I can see where this would have looked for 1931 very modern. You can tell she is going into the 30s. And it's that beautiful transition from 20s to 30s where you still kind of see like a little bit of 20s hair and makeup, but that silhouette is changing. And you just, it's getting longer. And um, I mean, it was even mentioned in the article. I I feel like there's even moments where she's in like these suits and stuff where she almost looks like Coco Chanel herself, just like a younger version, but in the same, those basically the same suits that, that she was wearing at that time. So, yeah. Did you find out anything on this? Like any tidbits? um, Well, the thing I just wanted to add to that is she ended up only working on three films. She came in a little bit late um, and created only a few garments for her first for her first film called Eddie Cantor's Palmy Days in 1931. And then she did all of Gloria Swanson's gowns in this film, Tonight or Never, in 1931. Um and uh, apparently Gloria Swanson's pregnancy created a strenuous relationship between the two women due to the constant costume <laughs> adjustments that yeah. needs to be made. So that Which, are, um, anyone who has to make costumes or has to make anything for anyone, um, weight, gain, or losing, like, is fucking insane. Like, I, and that's on a high level. Like, that would irritate yeah. me, too. Like, yeah. it, just as far as her not being forthcoming about it, because we've heard of other... Like, I remember reading about other people like Edith Head and working with actors who, like, confide that they're pregnant. She's like, all right, well, you've told me. We'll work, we'll figure it out. We'll work around it. But just to sort of, like, 
deny it and not tell her would that would that would cheese me off too I'm just yeah. saying you know <laughs> um so then the last film she worked on was uh the greeks had a word for them in 1932 um it also has another title three broadway girls uh this actually um she created 30 complete outfits for um for care uh, for actresses um, Ina, Care, Ina Claire, Madge Evans, and our girl Joan uh, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which I wanted, this was the pro sort of, I want to say prequel, but this ended up being uh, redone in the 50s as uh, How to Marry a Millionaire. So I would really love to watch, I, this should be on our list of movies. Oh, to watch. yeah, I've seen this movie. Yeah, I, I would love to do this movie three at Broadway some point. Girls. I've seen it under Three Broadway Girls. That if would be this great is the same because movie because there's definitely yeah. like I, when I watched it I was like this is legit How to Marry a Millionaire. Yep, like same, that ended same up being reinvented in the '50s for that, and so yeah, it's just uh, yeah, times. we should do that. That's a good one. Um, okay, yeah, this is awesome. Yeah, that's pretty much the same things. All the stuff that I found as well. I mean, it's such an interesting film or such an interesting idea that they brought in yeah. a couturier yeah. from Paris in order to do it, and like it ended up kind of backfiring in a way but like just not working out like it just ended up yeah. being kind of a bit of a failure and of idea so yeah I feel yeah. like it didn't work out but I am still curious to see what kind of an influence that would have had on people who worked with her in Hollywood at that time like it like someone like yeah. Adrian because he was sort of yeah. partnered he was sort of made to partner with her or like sort of take her through on um, the first film she did that was a lot more theatrical and stuff. And he, he was sort of like, I just can only picture him like, so maybe if we just add a little more rhinestones here, like I think this might work. She's like, you know, having to like appeal. There. Well, so, you know, maybe if we, like I just see him like kind of trying to work with yeah. that. Like. <laughs> That'd be interesting. Um, the last bit is, is that the New Yorker was quoted saying that um, they, the New Yorker did an article on it and they quoted saying they told her the dresses weren't sensational enough. enough. They made mm-hmm. a lady look, she made a lady look like a lady. Hollywood wants a lady to look like two ladies. So, <laughs> two which, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, I think that that's actually pretty, that's a pretty good kind of yes. like way of thinking about it. She kind of, she was very ladylike. Her clothing was very ladylike, very mm-hmm. like easy to wear like that sort of thing you know she's the one who always says before you leave the house take remove one accessory like she's very much like she's sort of like pragmatic she designed the little black dress like she kind of she's very much like she's not you know the couturier as we think of today where more is more sort of thing so and when you're talking about you know these these screen sirens who need to be bigger than life sort of like um characters and looks they that's i i get that you know that well and i mean that's just classic america for you you know we've always got to go bigger i mean (laughs) look we i have gone on the record just being like i'm sorry what too much no i don't know what you're talking about (laughs) i mean come on this is america where more is more i like to think of uh there was a comedian who i swear i remember this from when i was a kid it was this dirty joke of like you know it was like well in france the perfect breast can fit into a champagne glass but in america the perfect breast can clog a toilet bowl (laughs) so i think (laughs) that's how we roll Pretty much. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I learned. I heard that when I was like eight years old, and for some reason I have remembered it ever since. <laughs> oh god! Wait for my mark, folks. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be here all week. <laughs> I know. Ugh. All right. <laughs> okay, so I can talk about the um, the storyline in this movie. Um, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna go into it deeper than just you know, girl needs to get her box knocked out. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, uh, explore the subtle nuances of that story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, um, so the film begins in Venice, where Nella Vargo, played by Gloria Swanson, is performing in an opera. She is a Hungarian prima donna. Um, though she, she, so she's pretty much praised by the audience as being one of the best in her crafts. Some people think that she lacks passion in her singing. So these people include her singing teacher, Rudig, played by Ferdinand Goldstock, um, who thinks she needs to perform in New York City in order to be considered a great star. And Rudig suggests she needs to inject passion into her um, performances since she's in a loveless engagement with Count Albert von Gronach, um, w- played by Warburton Gamble. So he's saying, you need to inject passion by injecting something into your <laughs> They use the word injecting. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, later that evening, uh, after her performance, she notices a handsome man lingering in the plaza below her window, played by Melvin Douglas. Uh, she finds him intriguing, but is disappointed to learn from Ruddig that he is a gigolo whose latest client is Marquesa Bianca San Giovanni. Um, AKA she, dead old lady. <laughs> dad old lady. Yeah. So she's an aging opera star who has a terrible reputation. Um, so later that night, Lella Nella is kept awake. Um, Nella. Nella is kept awake <laughs> from the singing gondoliers and the conversation from the honeymoon suite next door. Um, being surrounded by all this love causes her quite an irritation. So she uh, demands to leave for Budapest a night early and the whole group dashes off by train that very night. And Nella is super surprised to find out that the aforementioned Gigolo is on board a co- um, the train accompanying his Marquesa. Um, so, and then that's also when she overhears the Marquesa kind of com- um, saying that she's a great, you know, Nella's a great singer, but she lacks passion. She needs to, you know, she doesn't have, it's lifeless singing. <laughs> she, needs, she needs, she needs a hot beef injection. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, I need a bell. I need like a ding, ding, ding <laughs> bell. <laughs> Um, so when they arrive at Budapest, um, Riddick hears that Fletcher, an American impresario, is in town looking for European singers to perform with the Metropolitan Opera in New York City. Uh, this is when she finds out, this is when Nella finds out that her rival singer is planning on singing in Berlin, assuming, um, assumingly to catch the eye of this Fletcher character. So later that evening, Nella finds out from Riddick that her fiancé is having an affair with that very same rival. Uh, she confronts him with this information and, um... The count doesn't deny it. So he there's this whole scene where she blows up at him and he's just like, Well, what are you gonna do? This is like, you know, hey. hey, yeah, you know, it's like I love you, but like well, you know <laughs> you, you know, you you you, do, you you're refusing the hot beef injections. And you you're are. kind of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> that too. Um <laughs> so um uh, so furious with her love life, Nella gets all dolled up and goes to the hotel where the Marquesa is staying with the gigolo named Jim. So the butler slash waiter who's chewing the scenery like a motherfucker played uh, by right. Boris Karloff. <laughs> I mean, he he's like, I've got ten, I've got eight lines of dialogue. I'm going to deliver every word like my life depends on it. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty amazing to watch. He um, was. So so um, uh, Frankenstein mentions to Jim that Nella <laughs> asked him uh, basically. Um, found him and asked him to let her know when the lady goes to sleep. Um, and so Jim, the gigolo agrees to go along with the ploy. So he, he realizes that um, this Nella chick is like trying to crash that party. She's, mm-hmm. trying, she's trying to crash that D. And um, <laughs> <laughs> so, 
so and the Boris Karloff warns him, and so he's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I know what's up. So I'll just go along with this." Um, yeah. I'll let that girl crash down on it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she gonna smash. It's all good. <laughs> he's all like, he's all like, "Hey, what's up? Hey, cool. <laughs> um, I'm playing it cool." Um, so Nella comes to his room, claiming to be looking for somebody else. After playing coy, Nella reveals that she's decided to. Um, she's interested in employing his services as a gigolo. Um, this is when Je- Jim, who is actually the impresario Fletcher, uh, decides to go along with the scenario. So he just kind of leans into it. And <laughs> he's like, I'm a gigolo. What you going to do? And then he basically forces her to make a choice. Spend the night with him or leave in less than two minutes. Tonight or never. <laughs> hold, for pol- hold for applause. Um, <laughs> uh, so... <laughs> Thank you. This is the most. This is the most clever I have ever been. <laughs> it reminds me of that uh, cutaway joke from Family Guy when he's like, "This is almost as good as when they work the title of the movie into the movie, <laughs> the movie's dialogue." <laughs> and then they cut to like four or five fit movies saying the names of the movie, and I think one of them was like um, Jurassic Park Lost World or something. One of those like parenthetical titles, and they work the oh entire God. thing into the di- to the dialogue. He's like, "Oh yeah, that's why they called it that." <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> hey, it doesn't get. It's either that or it's like a they get their very own like uh, official uh, song, like theme song. You know? Oh like yeah, a, like a Big Trouble in Little China. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, We're gonna take. His face off. <laughs> oh God, face off. That, that oh, was Jesus. this. That was basically this movie. Like uh, um, Fletcher's basically like, it's tonight or never. And then he looks Da-da-da. at the ca- looks at the camera, gives a little wink, <laughs> <laughs> zooms in on his, on his wink, and He's, then it just sort of like does a, a circle, like a wipeout. You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, He's like, eh, eh, tonight or never. <laughs> the title of a film, huh? Anyway, um, and star wipe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Nella decides to stay the evening, so she's all like, bow, 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 bow. which they show you by just showing a clock. Because <laughs> TikTok, it's after ten o'clock. You got You got to stay now. Yeah. So then the, the gotcha, bitch. <laughs> the little hands just go really fast, and then a yeah. bra like kind of like is thrown onto it, and like kind of lands on top yeah. of the clock. And there's like acne acne music. Da 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, That's not what they mean by transitional music. Yeah. It's like a factory sounds. <laughs> Just cut to factories like, like pistons saw- <laughs> pistons pumping. Sawing a jackhammer. <laughs> Two people going at a going at a stake in the ground with sledgehammers. <laughs> oh. I don't think our editor understands what sex is. <laughs> or nuance. Yes. <laughs> I like it, but could we make it less subtle? <laughs> okay. So that even so um the next morning or the next day that um Nella gives the performance of her life full of passion and and um and vim and vigor from everything that she learned the night before when and she got her box. And curtain calls. Yes. <laughs> she's all like, she's like, I've got my box knocked out. I, I have passion in my voice. <laughs> Listen to all of my boxing knocked out. <laughs> I mean, it really is that. It's like, you know, 
she she has a really great time having sex, being sexually free, and then mm-hmm. she does an amazing bang up job. No pun intended. The next day, you know, and so <laughs> well, it just well. you know, it happens. It happens. Yeah. So uh, she returns home to find, um, and she finds a contract waiting for her to perform at the Metropolitan Opera in New York. Um, and she feels guilty about the night before because you know it, religion, and um, <laughs> and then all she also feel, feels yeah. She also feels very um, aware of herself because the maid knows that she hasn't been home yet. So she yes. went directly to the theater from 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 the gigolo's house, and so and the maid is also freaking out because she can't find a super expensive emerald necklace. And yes. it turns out that Nella left it behind as payment for Jim's services. In heavy air quotes. <laughs> um. Sorry, I was just doing the math on that. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm just I'm like, right there. It's, like, it's mm, a, carry the yeah. one. <laughs> okay. And it's, it's just really funny. Yeah, because that's, I mean, that's what the sort of like that whole scene of they're like, well, where's the emerald necklace? I can't yep. find it. And she's like, don't worry about it. I uh, I like, give him to hold it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I know where it is. Yeah. Um, so Jim, basically Jim arrives at the house and to return the necklace and demands that she choose between him and her contract in New York City. Not really sure where that was going. Um, yeah. So Nella tears up her contract, revealing that she's in love with him. And this is when Jim reveals that he's in fact Jim Fletcher, the Metropolitan Opera talent scout. And he's also not a gigolo, but the nephew of the Marquesa. And that means that Nella can, can have her career in New York and the man she loves. Huzzah! <laughs> Yay! The end. Now that's a pre-code ending, because yes. otherwise she would have just given it all up and then this would have ended in marriage. But, you know, Mawage. it didn't. Or maybe even a double wedding with her and her maid. I don't know. But it didn't. She got to keep her no. career and her dude who was fucking her. Yeah. So, and he did it before they got married. Yeah, it's true. There's pre-marital. a lot going on in here. Yeah, this is a pre-code movie. So yeah. there's, it shows premarital sex. There's a lot of like yes. very, very strong innuendos. And, and in fact, I think this movie wasn't allowed. The pre, the code, the Hayes office didn't allow this movie to be re-released. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. Twi- yeah there were tw- to, two yeah. different times in the 30s. And it's already like what we're watching is already a, a very edited, edited down version, particularly even that, that whole love scene that they have, which is about 15 minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, it was it, this this movie caused quite a scandal. I mean, there's even qu- quotes at the time where people were like, "This is some of the worst things we've ever." I mean, ever seen thus far. Of course, mind you, what is you know how how long a movie's been around? Not that long, but this know, was right, really right. considered. And really, I mean, even if you watch it today, you're like, "Wow!" Like, I mean, this is this very is, forward. This is forward. Yeah. yeah, this is very forward. So I could see where. I mean, I could see, uh, unfortunately, I could see people today getting in a tizzy about the content of this movie. So I can only imagine what it was like uh, 80 years ago when. Um, I mean, think about it. Around. It's like 1931, a woman, a high class woman. There's a high class woman, older high class woman, who is employing a gigolo, which you're like, oh dear. Yeah. And then it shows another woman employing the same gigolo and straight up paying for his service. Yeah. Like, it's like, it is not subtle with the way, the, how it's handling the material. Yeah. It's not like he's like, he's not like, oh, don't worry on the house it's like yeah <laughs> she legit leaves him you know jewels i know yeah. and even just that whole that whole sort of exchange that uh he has with her um like when she comes to his apartment and at first you know like when she basically admits like oh i, I know you're a gigolo and i'm here anyway and he like he kind of gets mad at her and he's like oh yeah he's like do you do you think that you're like basically like you're a fool like you're coming to this guy's apartment you don't know what i could do to you right now you don't know what could happen 
Like this, like you're, this is not like, I, you know, I get you're making this move, but like, that is so unsafe. If I'm, if, if, if you think, if you think I am this gigolo, like I could be this unsavory fucking character. Oh, I could do yeah, anything right. I want to you right now. And you, like you put yourself in a stupid, like a really stupid situation, like a, a predatory situation. And he, he lets her know that, like he scares mm-hmm. her before before like things move forward and mm-hmm. i think that is very very interesting um it's just a very interesting way that they did that and interpreted that but that he was trying to test her as well it's like do you really do you you know do you want to just get fucked by a gigolo or do you really have a thing for me so it was like he was trying to test her it, there was i felt like even though as we said it was like two different schools of acting and they're like doing an ex- exercise together i mean they really were like <laughs> in two different movies but i feel like what they were addressing and doing was pretty great. I mean, that's that's in a play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I would have, I it would be really interesting to see this play today. Like if someone could do this and just that whole scene and interaction, like knowing that there's even just more in that story and how that was written. Um, I think it could still be relevant and like done today. Um, you know, oh, yeah. uh, in a way. So, so yeah, I I I thought it was great. Uh, costumes were everybody looks beautiful. The sets were incredible and beautiful. Yes. Uh, it's just. I mean, even though it's black and white, it is eye candy. It is absolute mm-hmm. eye candy. And it's one of those, you know, watching it, if you can watch it on a big screen in a dark room, but you really kind of feel like you can immerse yourself there. Like you feel like you could be there because the, the rooms and the sets are so big. And and uh, if it looks, you know, you can tell it's like a big grand hotel or like places in Europe and stuff like that. So it was, it was or they made it look like that. Um, yeah. It was pretty great. Um, do you have a favorite costume from this movie? Oh, well, I mean. <laughs> or a top three? I, uh, well, everything that Gloria Swanson wore was like the base. Uh, seriously. Like super beautiful. Um, and fit her incredibly. Fit. Like just yes. perfect, perfect, perfect. There's a couple of highlights that, uh, well, you know what? I'm going to let, I'm going to do one because okay. I want you to talk about stuff too. I feel like I hog it. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm uh, still well, greedy. Honestly, quite often <laughs> you're bringing up, a lot of times I'm like, yes, that's my favorite. That's my favorite too. Good. Th- we're, like we're usually on the same page, so it's all good. I loved her. <laughs> I, I loved her like, um, her like, her, you know, box knocked out costume. Why do oh I keep saying box god, knocked with the, out? With the emeralds and she. Oh, oh my god! That first that of all, that, call, that jacket with the huge collar. Stop! And like, I know. Uh, I just can't. I mean, that was the height of fashion up. back then too. Like that to me mm-hmm. is like that's ex- that's where it's like to me that reminds me of like that was what singing in the rain was trying to parody yes. and like trying to show and like that was real legit. And you know that is the furs and the silks like all the that shit is real furs. real real the diamonds oh like she's not wearing anything fake in this yeah. movie i mean she all. is o p u l e n c e opulence categories like she you know she has a very distinctive profile but her mm-hmm. skin and eyes she she was flawless, stunning in that scene. really beautiful stunning. i mean really a, a very hauntingly beautiful look yes. and face she's a distinctive look but she's very beautiful i mean just tens across the board (laughs) seriously seriously (laughs) loved it did you have any other um did you have a favorite um outside of that one well i was gonna say outside because i just like there's the train that that's like behind under the door i mean like that that whole yeah that that's amazing i would say that and then there's the um i actually really love like the white negligee that she's wearing when she's all like kerfuffled and doesn't want to hear people on their honeymoon she's got that beautiful like white it's probably all bias that's probably one of the things that chanel had to fit on her and was like okay bitch you're fatter now like what's going on (laughs) like what because i mean that's the kind of stuff like i could see 
like and and I honestly feel like in some shots you can almost see where she's pregnant or she might be a little yeah. prego. I don't just maybe it's just because I know, but um I and the, there was that. But I think also just sort of like a non glamour outfit. I really really love the suit that she wears on the train, like that yeah. it, with the with the hat and the fur and she just her oh she's serving face and the gloves and just I love that like a good traveling suit and she's just yeah she looks so she looks like a diva she looks special you know and just like um. Yeah, she stands out, you know. But yeah. I, 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 yeah, I think it would probably be that. Probably her, um, her tr- the suit that she wears on the train, like toward the earlier part of the film, that kind of stuck mm-hmm. out for me. There's this wonderful, like, weird evening gown that she wears when they first arrive in, um, in Budapest right, with the with, tiara like, and everything. Well, well or, that's like, her headdress. performance okay. when she was performing at the very beginning. Okay, and then they get on the train and then they go to Hungary and then it's her and her singing coach at that we- big room. Yes, and she's yes. wearing this like evening gown that has these weird, interesting like sleeves that are not attached. To right, it. we've it's got some really pictures on Pinterest cool. of that. Yeah. Like it's all these little bat wingy sleeves and uh, yes. yeah, that's, yeah. So it's that's a good really one. cool. Like it's. It's just an interesting, and also I'm just like, why is she wearing an evening gown at home? But whatever. Well, well please, like, why you are, do you? Yeah, girl. exactly. Like, <laughs> like wouldn't yeah. we? I mean, she is an opera diva, yeah, yeah, and totally it looks like honestly, and, it, and they're black and white movies. You can't always really tell what color they are, but it looks like it's made out of the yummiest black silk velvet. Like you know, I you know, just know it it's like really every good. all of her garments just look like they're just caressing her skin and look like just luxury, just absolute yes. luxury. Um, yeah, but but uh, and there was that, and um, and I loved like when well go everybody uh, go on her Pinterest page for this. Um, there's a colorized version I was able to find of uh, the dress that she wears with the like the diva dress with the tiara where she does the the radio thing, and it's like it's blue. Yes, it's like an icy blue. Yeah. And she has like that's, icy uh, yeah. blue eyes, so I can only imagine. Like that's where I'm just like, oh my god, just that so you could can be see a one, this that would color. have been a wonderful color too. If it were in color, it'd be wonderful. If that was the actual uh, color, I wow. would, you, there's really no way to there's know no way what to the know. actual yeah. color, but it's just fun to see those yeah. sort of like. Um, yeah, that would so her performance costume in the beginning was really cool, and she had that like that interesting crown and stuff, and she's she looks oh, she's so cool. Yeah. Um, and I really like her. Um, she has like a really nice, like kind of like a pretty much like a, a house, just a dress, mm-hmm. like a beautiful printed dress that she wears. She does after yeah. her performance when she goes home and she first sees that um, the gigolo yes. or the, uh, the the mysterious man in the courtyard and stuff. Yeah. She's wearing that. That's and a those are like pure Coco Chanel daywear. I mean, yeah, totally. Just, and you know, it's probably some gorgeous silk. That just feels Probably. like that just doesn't yeah. exist anymore, and it's just so soft and lovely and drapey, and yeah, she looks beautiful. And, yeah, and the Marquesa has some really beautiful stuff too. She should not she be underestimated. Been, she was pretty fab. She, yeah, and she wasn't dressed by um, Chanel. Mm-hmm. It was just um, Swanson. So well, I'm, I, she's this got is where I'm going to throw some looks. shade on Coco Chanel because I'm, Chanel was totally like a sizist and I'm like, I'm sure she just probably didn't want to dress fat people and I'm sorry well, I'm throwing shade, yeah. but it's true. Well, I think too, it was like, it's one of those things is like in the, in those days they did a lot more where they had like the big cut designer would do like the gowns and the main stuff yeah. and then they yeah. had basically people who were uncredited sort of just handle the you rest. You mean like Adrian? Adrian probably wasn't probably, probably I would not here. be surprised. He probably did yeah. everything. He did everything else she didn't touch. 
<laughs> yeah. I mean, and it, everyone looked good. Yeah. So that's, that's one good thing. No, and um, everybody did look good. Even like the, you know, the characters supposed to be older, like her maid. I actually was really, I thought what she wore was very interesting because her dresses very obviously looked like they were from like 1918. They had a very teens mm. body and silhouette. And she's got the more matronly, like, like the larger bosoms and the whole thing. So she's got this silhouette that has a very, um, I don't want to say grandma, but like a kind of a matronly body. But then she's clearly wearing um, silhouettes that are from like to me like the late teens. Like they're not, yeah. there's not a drop waist, and it's not 1930s. But she looks lovely, and I think it really suits her character and her station and who she is. So it's like she's wearing a nice dress, but it's probably like 12 years old, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it was, and I love know. that I, I love the dynamic between her and. Um, her and Gloria Swanson's character too, I did. because they were like mm-hmm. they kind of like were buddies in a way, but then there would be times when Gloria Swanson would be like, "Oh, don't don't bother me!" Like she'd kind of catch herself yeah. and be like, "Oh, you're the maid. I'm not supposed to be friends with you." Exactly. It's, like, it's actually kind of it was kind of cool to see that. Like, I liked that dynamic in a way. Yeah, she was liked... a motherly sort of figure to her, and and also like I mean, if you think about the realist, like she was genuinely concerned of like. Like your, your biggest, most expensive necklace is not here. And I've looked everywhere. Like she, you know, it's like, and if you think like that could have been on her, like she could have been fired or, you know, something could have happened to like, in other words, also too, they were all around her to protect her because that's protecting themselves. This lady's paying them to be, you know, they're part of her entourage. So like they need to protect their assets. So of course they're gonna be like, where were you? Did you let a gigolo steal your necklace? Cause this is kind (laughs) of not going to be good for us. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, don't let people steal your necklaces. Yeah, please don't let people take advantage of you. That's, please, no, no, you know? So, hey, I mean, that's why people have handlers. They were kind of like her handlers, if you think about yeah. it, you know? They kind of babysat her. Like, in the beginning of the movie, she's definitely more impetuous and sort of almost comically so, where you're just like, yeah. um, calm down, queen. Like, you <laughs> need the dick so bad <laughs> because you're getting mad at people. on. Like, why are you getting mad at people having fun? Like, you need to get laid. <laughs> like, that yeah. is a problem. <laughs> if you're getting yeah. mad at people having fun, check yourself. <laughs> yes. Pretty much. Oh, man. But I'm, so I'm glad we watched this movie. I'm glad we got to, you know, um, explore this little tidbit of um, Hollywood and fashion and I you know again because Adrian's our, our guy you know it was it was so great like mm-hmm. I read that I was just like oh this just these are little gems and tidbits of history that we just we just cling on to because they're so good you know and uh, and um, I thought this was great and you know Gloria Swanson only went on to make a couple more movies after this um, a couple more talkies then she 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 moved she went away from Hollywood and we did not hear from her again until she did Sunset Boulevard at 51 years old in 1950 and that's really what how we all know Gloria Swanson and I, I have to the glorious, yeah. we, we think of even when um, we think of Norma Desmond even like I'm sure there are so many people out there who probably have never seen Gloria Swanson actually talk in an interview and there's many there's a lot of interviews you can see with her she is nothing like Norma Desmond but so many people yeah. think of her even back then that like they would see and they just assume she was this norm like that's how she would speak and act and was and i loved seeing these interviews with her later in life like after that and she was she has first of all she has the sweetest most even beautiful intelligent lovely voice and she was like please like everybody thinks i'm like why would i do like i'm clearly acting look at that and she's like what 
what you know like I just I love how she's sort of like um, and there's a wonderful interview I saw with her and this was like in the 70s much older still looked lovely these, these high beautiful eyebrows and profile and she was like well she's like well I you know I was she's like I worked hard she's like I mean I was a determined woman I mean look at that chin you know she was she was very aware of herself and like who she was and um and I think that you know, there's there's a lot to her story, and like around this time, like this was right after her affair with uh, Joe Kennedy, and he pretty much took her for a ride, fucking financially too. Like that was oh, that was yeah. awful. He's an awful fucking person. And then she got pregnant. She had a lover at the time and got pregnant, and so she was like that was all. Um, that unfortunately sort of marred this movie when it came out and like her personal life and all that. But I mean, talk about rising from the ashes and just having. I, please i mean she's so beautiful in her older age um i feel like i've i've actually probably seen i full confession i've never seen the movie sunset boulevard all the way through Ooh. i know i know i've seen clips i have seen the live performance i did see it actually in london many many moons ago and oh, um, wow. when patula clark was doing uh, norma desmond on um uh, on i guess broadway or whatever anyway it was it was awesome so i'm familiar with the story and who it is but i've actually seen so many interviews with Gloria Swanson. I think she's so fascinating. And so I already see her as something so completely different from the Nor from Norma Desmond. Like I know she, she's playing it, but I would love to mm -hmm. do that movie one day, Philip. I would love to, I just want to watch oh, it and God, just yes. really, cause it, this is... it's, it, I know it, I've even just, I've seen parts of it and it's so immersive. It just pulls you in as soon as you start that watching movie it. It is, is bananas. That so good. Is so good. It's beyond. So that one's definitely, yeah. the, this one's definitely in the queue. Yeah. So do not fear. Yeah. We won't. So that one's, that one's definitely going to happen. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, if I, as if somebody loves this, either Gloria Swanson or this time period, I highly recommend, there are so many amazing interviews with her on YouTube. Um, there's a really great documentary. I think it was done in like the seventies. It's called Hollywood and it's, it's, it's like nine parts. James Mason hosts it. And there's a whole episode on Gloria Swanson and Valentino. And she's, interviewed throughout the whole thing talking about her early experiences in Hollywood during the teens and 20s and it is amazing and she's just she's she's fascinating she's a fascinating person and and of course our podcast you must remember this did a really great episode on Gloria Swanson a few years ago as well so I highly recommend That's, yeah she's she's I somebody to study more yeah. yeah I know I, I kind of I've been Jones and I've been missing she's been on hiatus and I'm thinking about re-listening to some of those earlier episodes because they just they hold up they really hold up. She's yeah. our she's our gold standard. <laughs> we will never be like that. I mean, we can only we walk in her shadow. I'll just say that. <laughs> we just leave a trail of broken glitter and dirty rhinestones <laughs> in her wake. <laughs> oh man. Anyway. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, so keep in touch guys. Uh hit us up over on the social media yeah. platforms. We got Old Hollywood Realness at, um, on Instagram and Facebook. We're uh, OHR Podcast on Twitter if you would like to um, holla at us there. Um, we would love to hear from you if you have thoughts or questions or if there's anything you'd like to add to the conversation. You can email us over at oldhollywoodrealness at gmail.com. <laughs> 
Oh, and do you want to um, tell them about our um, our move to Pinterest from? Sure. From- <laughs> so we are we've we set up a Pinterest account. So um, we're posting all of the we're posting by episode. We have a board per episode. If you want to check us out, it's Pinterest.com/slash Old Hollywood Realness, and uh, we so and then we're linking all of that onto the the website too. So if you go to the website OldHollywoodRealness.com, there is a Pinterest board on the episodes, and then there's also on Pinterest if you'd like to follow us and then yeah. it's reference photos we're like kind of gathering them that way from we're trying we're experimenting we're experimenting we're doing yeah and we're even going to try um, to like go through our back catalog of episodes and create pinterest boards for those as uh in our <clears throat> in our spare time so yes <laughs> um but we hope you enjoy those and then while you're at the um on the website you can also use our amazon banner to shop on amazon which helps us out um which would be great if you use that thank you ever sue yes um thank you to hal lublin for his uh, vocal talents at the top of the podcast killing it every week um and in the meantime thank you for listening to old hollywood realness (laughs) bye